enough music to give him a hell, not enough to walk in victory. So this, I really believe, and I get response talking about it, um, a lot of us on staff are seeing this too, that we're excited about what God's going to do because we really believe this year he's really drawing people in a lot deeper. So here's your opportunity. So Nate, I'll give it to you. Thank you. All right. So I think we can get started now, and we're going to... We're going to kind of keep this short, but I'm so glad all you guys are here, and a lot of you guys I know, so a lot of you guys are going to be familiar with this, but who has the handouts for today? Is it Dakota and James? Do you guys have the handouts? They're right there in front of Leah. Why doesn't everybody get a handout? Make sure you have one of those handouts, and if you have a pen, follow along with us. And we're going to be going over some tools today and tomorrow, so this is just the start. Uh, a lot of what we do today will be kind of a foundation for tomorrow, so please come back. We're going to go over some, some other great tools that would be uh, kind of really good as far as getting into conversations that you're already having tomorrow. Today we're going to go over some basics about how to share the gospel. So let's just pray to get this started, okay guys? Let's just give this a God. God, we just thank you so much that you have called each one of us to live a life of co-laboring with you and working together and alongside you, God, for things that matter for all of eternity. I thank you that evangelism is a, a privilege, that we can share our faith. God, that it is not a duty, that it is not burdensome, but it is a joy. God, I pray that you continue to grow in each one of us a desire to live an adventurous life, taking risks for you while we still can here on this earth, God, knowing that someday we're all going to be in eternity, realizing that... Uh, that everything that we that we sacrificed here on this earth, it was so worth it, God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross for our sins, that each one of us could stand here before you, knowing that we've been forgiven, having a relationship with you. We love you, Jesus. We give you this time, and do great things today. We love you. Amen. All right, guys. So I wanted to start by just saying the night vision theme is holiness, right? And a lot of times we can think of holiness in terms of sins of commission, right? Sins that we do, things that are wrong that we do. And we can think of holiness as not doing bad things. But there's this whole other aspect of holiness, right, of, of sins of omission, things that God's called us to do that we aren't yet walking in. And I think for a lot of Christians, evangelism is one of those. It's something that we all know we need to do and... Maybe the Holy Spirit convicts us from time to time. Not maybe, He does. <laughs> He's good at that. And, and sometimes we just live our life without sharing with people. And if we really want to be walking in holiness and set apart for God and all that He's called us to, we're going to be living a life of sharing our faith. It's, it's, it's inevitable. It's what God's called us to. And so I think that this goes really well with the theme this year, and I'm super excited for what God's going to do. And I want to just start with an analogy. Any of you guys football fans? I know Justin is. Brandon, oh, I know more of you guys are than that. Uh, so anyway, let's say you had a chance. What's your name back here on the gray shirt? Yeah, Keith. Keith. Okay, Keith, let's say you raised your hand, so I thought I'd, I'd call on you. Let's say somebody said, Keith, you could be on the winning Super Bowl team this year. And uh, would that be exciting? Sure. Let's say they even went further and said, you could be the MVP of the winning Super Bowl team. That'd be kind of exciting, huh? Sure. Knowing that you did something that people are going to remember and that was meaningful, that'd be awesome, right? Okay, now what if they then said, but there's a catch to it. It's going to take some sacrifice. It, you're going you're gonna to be rooming with a stinky, smelly roommate for the next six months. <laughs> <laughs> You've been there. <laughs> You're not married, right? You're not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no. My, my wife. My wife has had a stinky, smelly roommate for the past eight years. Next week. But anyway, uh, and then what if they said you're not going to be able to eat too many junk, you know, too many snacks? All, you're going to have to cut out the junk food. You're going to have to hit the weights. You're going to have to. You're going to have to actually do some things that might not be real comfortable. Would it still be worth it? It'd be worth it, right? Now, see, God has called us to something far greater in a Super Bowl. For all of eternity, we're going to be looking back at this life, thankful that we took risks for God, right? And it's going to take some sacrifices here on this planet. It's going to take some time and maybe crossing some fear boundaries, things that, and some barriers that, that come up and, and want to stop us. But every one of those risks, we're going to spend all of eternity thankful that we took those, right? And, and it's for something so much greater than the Super Bowl. It's going to be awesome. And so I want to encourage you guys. This is what's going on in the world right now. You know 260,000 people a day are hearing the good news? Does that kind of blow your mind every single day? And we get to be a part of that even today. 
No, it's 174,000 people a day trust Christ worldwide. Is that mind-boggling? We get in our little routine and we don't realize what God is doing all around this world and that he's called us to be a part of it. That's something phenomenal and great. You can look at some of the stats on your paper about what he's doing in different countries and how many people are trusting him. It's awesome. And this is happening all around the world. I would encourage you guys to go to greatcommission2020.com. I put the reference there so you can see it. And godrev.com. Both of those have interactive maps that have live decisions for Christ. So it's like, boom, boom, boom. And you can see all around the world people making decisions for Christ. And this is just from a few evangelistic websites that are in various different countries. So that is just a small glimpse of the reality of what's happening every single day. I know one of those, I think greatcommission2020.com will have twenty to 30,000 people a day trusting Christ on various websites like everystudent.com and things like that around, around the planet. So it's exciting. If you want to get charged up a little bit, visit those websites. And, and, and then you can even pray for those people when they trust Christ. I also wanted to encourage you, go to eternityimpact.com. That's our website. And under resources, you'll see evangelism resources. And we've loaded that up with tons of resources from numerous different ministries. So if, if this kind of gives you a little bit of a jump start to want to learn how to share your faith more, you can get tons more info there. And I finally wanted to say, check out our blog, eternityimpact.blogspot.com. What we're going to be doing, Austin, where's Austin? Austin's my accountability partner, ministry partner, friend. He's great. I love him. But Austin and I are going to be putting up daily or two or once every two or three days, we'll be putting up new challenges and new ideas for how you could share your faith. And then we'll be applying it, and then we'll be reporting on what happened. So it'll be a way for you guys to have new and fresh ideas on a frequent basis, and then hearing stories of what really happened. And sometimes we're going to videotape those stories and put the videos up too. We've been doing that a little. So just a few resources that you guys can refer to later. And again, come tomorrow. I wanted to start by saying Acts 17, 26, and 27. It says that God determined the times and places that we should live so that men might seek Him and find Him. So you're not here as an accident. And I just want to start with a little bit of a scriptural basis for what we're going to be doing. But you're here in this area. How many of you guys are from Montrose? Okay, I know a lot of you are from Durango. How many of you are from Durango? A bunch more. How many of you guys are from Olathe? A few. How many of you are from somewhere else? Denver? Austin's from Denver. Jake? Yeah, okay. Well, you guys are from all over. You're not there on accident. God, in his sovereignty and wisdom, put you there strategically. And he decided to do that before time began, so that the people around you would come to know him. That was the whole purpose, he says. So that they'd seek him and find him. So this is exciting, and all we want to do today is give you guys some tools that would help you accomplish what God has already called you to. And ultimately, these tools are good, but it's his Holy Spirit in you. That is, that is the one that's working and drawing people to Jesus and then he's working through you to speak the words that you need to say. The, the desert is hot, guys, and the hotter the desert, the thirstier people get. We tend to look around and say, golly, you know, people are so depraved. They must not be interested in Jesus. When you see those people around you, that's evidence that they are searching further than anybody ever has. And they're coming up empty and they're going further. It's the law of diminishing returns. They have to keep going and keep going and keep going. And the further they go, the emptier they are. And they're empty and they're searching. And it's kind of like this. If you're in the middle of a desert, you could look around and say, nobody's drinking any water. They must not be thirsty. That'd be a crazy conclusion to draw, right? They're not drinking any water, and, they, and because of that, they are thirsty. And so I want you to look at the people around you and realize they're thirsty for Jesus. And not many people are giving them spiritual water. And God has put you in their sphere of influence. Not me, not Austin. Austin could do a lot better job sharing his faith than I could in a lot of circumstances. But God put me in those circumstances, not Austin. And it's the same with each of you. He's put you there strategically. My father-in-law, every so often I get an email from him about somebody that came to know Christ at his work that he shared with. I'm not a, I'm not a nurse in Farmington. I'm not working in the hospital there, but God's put him there. Right, And he's put each of you in strategic places. So this is God's heart. 1 Timothy 2.4 says that he desires that every single person be saved, guys. And 2 Peter 3.9 says he's not willing that any would perish. So when we talk about this, this isn't just like theory. This is the heartbeat of God, where he's willing to leave the 99 and look for the one that's lost. And one of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians 3.9. It says that we get to be co-laborers with Christ. We get to work alongside him for things that matter, right? And as you work alongside somebody, 
doing something that's special to them, you will develop an intimacy that you've never imagined. It's like that in marriage, right guys? Some of you are married, and when you have common themes or activities that you do together that you're both passionate about, it develops a relationship and a fellowship that's very, very close. If you're, if you're wondering where the intimacy with God is, if you're wondering where the joy of the abundant life is, if you're wondering where the adventure that, that you expected to find in Christ is, I would encourage you, all that is found in evangelism, right? Not only there, but this is one area where, where God can do great things and where we will find so much joy, guys, as we share. And it's scary sometimes, I'm not going to lie, Juli- Juliana and I, Got into a little bit of an interesting conversation yesterday. Austin and I have been in conversations in a Muslim country where, I don't know, I was more afraid than he was. But I can tell you, every time we've taken a risk, and my father-in-law was there too for some of those, and every time we've taken a risk and seen God come through and seen Him work through us, guys, there's tremendous joy in all of that. All right, Matthew 28, 18-20. I'm going to read this. Uh, You can read with me if you want. It says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this is what we would call the Great Commission. And here's the question. Who did Jesus call to do the Great Commission? Us. Okay, us is part of the answer. But specifically, who did he call? Me, right? Every Okay, okay. Let's say this together. Let's say the Great Commission is my responsibility. Okay? One, two, three. The Great Commission is my responsibility. It's mine. Matthew 4.19. Jesus said, if you follow me, I will what? Make, make you fishers of men. Okay? So evangelism isn't for those who have the gift. It is for those that follow Jesus. <laughs> right? And so whose responsibility is evangelism? It's mine. Okay, let's say that together, too. Evangelism is my responsibility. You guys want to repeat that? Evangelism is my responsibility. Good. Okay, I'm glad we're all on the same page. The Apostle Paul talks about that. And he says, Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. This isn't, this isn't a duty I have to do. This is a lifestyle I can't get away from if I'm growing with God. Okay, I want to close with one verse here, and then we're going to get into the first activity. It's Matthew, or one passage. Matthew 13, 1-9 is the parable of the sower. You guys remember this? And I was at a conference where we heard somebody speaking on this, and he said, what kind of farmer throws seed on rocks, on the road, in thorns, and then some on the good soil too? And he said, a moron. <laughs> okay? He said, and his conclusion was, guys that we are not supposed to be, and this is his quote, not mine, we are not supposed to be soil specialists, but seed chuckers. God didn't call us to evaluate where each person is at and decide if they're interested or not. That's his and the Holy Spirit's duty, and they're the same, right? He called us just to share the good news with people, to chuck some seed, to throw that seed out there and then let him work in people's hearts. And then he will take it from there. And again, this, this same passage is challenging because... In America, I think we've become so focused on methods, and we'll actually mention that in in the next activity. But we start to think that if people aren't coming to Christ, it's because our methods are wrong. Then we start trying new methods and trying new methods. And this is kind of what's happening, is we're not chucking any seed, and then we're not seeing any results, and then we're blaming the seed. We're saying the seed is no good. And I want to encourage you, the seed is good. (laughs) The seed is good. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. That seed is good. We need to share it. And the more we share, the more results we'll see. But that's, of course, not why we do it. We don't do this for the results. We leave those to God. We do this out of love and obedience to Him. All right. So here's a little analogy, and then we're going to get to the first activity. I I spent some time in Romania, where Juliana's from. That's where we met. And in Romania, tell me if you remember this, Julian. In, in the World Cup, when somebody scored a goal, we're, we both lived in Brasov, but it's a city of about 400,000. When somebody from Romania scored a goal in the World Cup, you would hear, like from our apartment with the windows open, you'd hear the whole town go. And it tapered off. You remember this? 
It's horns honking, it's people screaming in all their living rooms with their windows open, and collectively across the whole city, you could not help but hear that noise. Does that make sense? You couldn't get away from it. If you lived there, you heard it. And I think it's the same thing. If, if Austin, or let's say Justin, I've talked about Austin already. If Justin's out there and he does this, if he's out there telling everybody he meets about Jesus in Durango, I tried to share with a guy last week, by the way, and he told, he told me that you've been sharing with him. So, it starts with a B. Victor? Vic? I don't know. You gave him the Bama recently. Vince. There it is. Yeah. So anyway, let's say Justin's out in Durango just telling everybody he can get he can get into conversations with. Well, that's good. Good for Justin. But the city is not going to be one for Christ because just one man's doing it. Because God intended this to happen as a body, right? But when we as a body are collectively sharing, it's going to be that same noise that rings out across the whole city that no one can ignore, that everybody will hear. That's when we'll see our communities one to Christ, when we as a body begin talking about Jesus. Isn't that good? And it's so true, too, guys. We can't do this alone. So activity number one, check the statements that you think are true about evangelism as you look at that list. And I don't want you to to get caught off guard here, but each one of them has partial truths, and each one of them also has deceptions as part of it. So look through that list and just see. You don't have to check if you don't if you don't feel comfortable doing that. But think about statements that you see on there that maybe you've heard before that kind of you thought, yeah, that, that makes sense. I've done that too. I've spent years thinking da 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 some statement on there. And then I'll hear a good answer to it, and it just rocks me. And I realize, man, I was believing a lie. So look at that statement for a few minutes and just think about which ones of those you've heard. Any of those familiar? Yeah. Where's Garth at? He's right there. He's hiding. One of those on there, I knew it wasn't true, but I always heard it, and I just never sat down and really thought about it until Garth brought it up one day. And Garth he had the greatest answer, and, and we're going to talk about it in a minute. It's the one about old people aren't interested, Garth. Let's look at some of those. What about this first one that says, you must have the gift of evangelism? You guys ever heard that? You guys ever thought that? (laughs) I think all of us probably have heard that and maybe bought into it a little bit at first. But this is really crazy. What if... What's your name again? Yeah. Addie? Okay, what if Addie came up to me and said, Nate, we're both volunteering here today. I just... I think I need some prayer. I, I feel like I am under major attack and... I just can't get over it. I'm really stressed out. I have tons of anxiety. Could, could we pray together and you could encourage me some? What if I said, you know what, Addie? <laughs> I'd love to, but I don't have the gift of encouragement. <laughs> I think Mona might. You should go find Mona. Talk to Mona. But I'm not going to encourage you. Wouldn't that be insane? Wouldn't that be silly? But we do this with evangelism. Sure, some people are gifted with it. Some of them are sitting on that table right there. I think I don't know Jake very well, but the rest of that table I'm pretty sure is. <laughs> but probably Jake too. My, if you're gifted with it, great. If you're not, it is still a joyful thing that you can follow God in. Okay, Matthew 4.19, remember that. If you're a follower of Christ, you're called to it. Lie number two is that you validate the gospel, whether it's by your personality, skill, knowledge, looks, actions. The things I do make the gospel relevant. That also is not true, guys. Jesus himself makes the gospel relevant. And it's relevant to every human being. Do your best not to give people a reason not to trust Christ. But at the same time, realize just sharing the good news alone is good. We have a a mutual friend that's a pastor in Romania. And uh, Mihai. And Brasho. And he came to Christ because he he got a tract out of a trash can that somebody had thrown away. The gospel alone was powerful enough. Nobody had to make that powerful to, to, uh, to Mihai. Okay, number three, you must be friends first. This is, this is very popular in our country today. We must be friends first. Uh, Jesus called us to reach the world, guys, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You cannot befriend the whole world in your lifetime, I promise you. You probably can't befriend your whole city in your lifetime. I work on a college campus. It's a pretty small college campus. I cannot befriend my whole campus in my lifetime. I would encourage you to look at Scripture. I cannot think of one story in Scripture where people befriended someone before they shared with them. Usually it was the opposite of that. They would share with them, and then they became friends. 
And that's something that we've seen very often. We, you know, we go share with people on campus and they end up becoming very close to us. Right, guys? Some of these guys know. Okay, so you must be friends first. Next, ah, now we're going to show a video about that, about how loving is it not to share Christ. David's here. Can you show that, Austin? Sure. All right, Austin's going to get this queued up. It's the pen video. Yeah. Here goes. human being 
alive needs Jesus. Okay. Line number six, God doesn't want us to offend anyone. And we shouldn't try to offend anyone, but Jesus promised us that men would hate us because of him. That's what he already said. It's in Matthew 10. And in 2 Corinthians 2, it says, To some, we're going to be the aroma of death. To others, the fragrance of life. So, I want to I leave you with this quote concerning that. And it's uh, Gregory Copel writing in the book Tac- Tactics. I should pull it out right here. Uh, I'll show it to you later. You should read it. It's a great book. What's that? It is. I don't think there's a whole lot we can do about it, unfortunately. No, no, no. Yeah, they're they're. No, that would be distracting. No, it's it's back down here behind everything. Yeah, no problem. But Gregory Kogel puts this. He says, and this is great. He says, just make sure it's your ideas that offend, and not you. That your beliefs cause the dispute, and not your behaviors. Isn't that good? Right, we should share as kindly and as lovingly as we can, and then trust the rest to God. Okay? Line number seven is that methods are what produce results. We've already talked about that. That's not true. Number eight is a popular misquote of Francis of Assisi. It says, preach always and use words if necessary. Jesus told us to preach with words. We should model that with our lives, but we should also speak the good news. We have to, because there are good Mormons, right? We are on a raft trip on our crushed beer project. Were any of you guys on that raft with me? I'm trying to see. Dakota was. And what did that guy say? He goes, are you guys Mormons? We said, no. Because Mormons are the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Okay? <laughs> I thought that's awesome that they're nice to him. Just because you're nice does not mean that you're sharing the good news. Right? And we as, as believers, we should be kind and nice, but we also need to speak with our mouths. God's word. All right, Romans 10, 13 through 14. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So we do both. We share and we live the example of the gospel. Okay, line number two, the one that Garth is very uh, good at striking down, is that older people are stuck in their ways and will not trust Christ. You guys ever thought that or heard that? I have. I'm going to admit it. It's true. Well, it's true that I thought that. The lie is not true. But Garth put it really well. Is he gone now? He's around here somewhere. Anyway, he's out there in the parking lot. (laughs) This is the way Garth put it, and I love this. He said, look, a lot of times older people, all their dreams that they had in their youth have been forgotten. They never got realized. They had enough time for relationships to go sour and to go bad and to have expectations not be met. Maybe their careers didn't turn out like they hoped. Maybe their investments have lost a lot of money, especially right now. And they're looking at some hard hard times ahead. And he said, a lot of times those older people are more open now than they have ever been before. See, I want to look at the people around me like that. I don't want to look at older people and say, ah, they they probably made up their mind. I want to realize, until they're dead, they can still come to trust Christ. Okay, number 10, most people aren't interested Matthew 9.37 says the opposite. It says the harvest is ripe. Isn't that cool? The people around you are a ripe harvest. You know what Jesus said in John 12.32-33? He said that he's drawing every single man to himself. Every single person. So you can look at every person in your sphere of influence right now. Think through some names. Just think through some faces and names. And in your mind, say, that person is hungry for Jesus. Because Jesus said it. He, God is already working in that person's heart. Every conversation I have is part of what God's already doing. And I'm joining God there. Alright, so I hope that that kind of clarifies a lot of different uh, just perspectives on that. And I hope that as you look through that list, you didn't check very many boxes. But if you did, that's cool. Because we've all been there, and God uh, God is working through it with all of us. Okay, so there are three different types of evangelism. Think this through, and you can follow this on your notes. Write this in if you have a pen. We have the natural evangelism method, which is basically just like sharing with people in your natural sphere of influence. Uh, We have the body evangelism method, or mode. That is actually taking somebody to an event like this and hoping that they hear the gospel as a result. Does that make sense? Maybe you could take them to a retreat, to a church, to a meeting, and they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to get exposed to it. Then there's this one that a lot of us don't like, and it's called ministry evangelism. It's actually taking the initiative to go up and meet somebody you've never met before and get into a conversation. Now, I want to encourage you. We're going to do this afterwards today, and I hope a lot of you can come with us. But when you take the initiative to go talk to people you've never met, 
and share the gospel with them. That will destroy fear and help you learn evangelism better than the other ones. The other ones are awesome, but this is a great tool. And this is the one we see most common in the Bible, just approaching people and getting into conversations. So, we're going to talk about the sound barriers tomorrow, so you don't have to write them down. Please come back. This is a great way to analyze every conversation you're having and every point in that conversation and know how to navigate through them in a comfortable way so that you can share with anyone you're talking to. But right now, because our time is a little short, we're going to introduce a tool that we call a spiritual interest survey. And while those are getting handed out, I'm actually going to mention the sound barriers just because it'll make a little bit of sense why we're using the survey. So can you guys get those passed out to everybody? Sweet. Okay, the first sound barrier is meeting somebody, right? Dirk and I met today. And when I got off the truck, when we both have blue shirts on, we both must be volunteering here. But even then, it was maybe a little awkward until we said, hey, what's your name, right? Uh, you guys ever feel that way? Before you meet somebody, you can sense this awkwardness. No, some people are just people people, and they just meet everyone. Well, that's the first sound barrier. It's a point where sound has to come out of your mouth, and you actually have to meet another living human being that you haven't met before. It's the first barrier, and you have to start talking about something. You can talk about anything, but something has to start coming out of your mouth. You can't just stare at him. <laughs> you have to start speaking. Okay, that's the first sound barrier. The second sound barrier, guys, is actually taking that conversation that's going about who knows what and transitioning into the gospel. I mean, into a spiritual conversation. Does that make sense? You're talking about baseball, and now you're talking about spiritual issues. So you just made a transition. It's an awkward transition that's kind of hard to bring up in a lot of conversations, but it's important if we're ever going to share the gospel. The third one is actually sharing the gospel. So you're not just talking about spirituality or faith or religion or whatever, but now you're actually sharing about what Jesus himself said to every single one of us. And the final sound barrier, maybe you've gotten through the first three, and I hope you've gotten through the fourth one, but the fourth one is the most important. You've shared the gospel, you've met this person, you've been as kind as you possibly can. But the fourth one, potentially the most awkward, is you need to invite them to make a decision about what Christ offers. Does that make sense? We need to put the ball in their court and let them know that they have a decision to make, that they have to respond to what Jesus has already said. Okay? So those are the four sound barriers, and I wanted to start with that. Tomorrow we'll go through some creative ways to get through each of those naturally without tools, but today we just handed out this spiritual interest survey. And the, the thing that we love about these little surveys is they naturally get you through the first two barriers, right? You walk up to somebody and say, Dirk, my name is Nate. I'm volunteering for Night Vision. Can I do a quick survey with you? Okay, what just happened? First barrier is gone. We just met, right? There's no more barrier there to sharing. And that survey then gets into a spiritual conversation. It just knocks out the second barrier. Going through the survey, you haven't yet shared the gospel, but you've eliminated two barriers. And if you get to the end of this survey and find that this person does not yet know God, you're going to have the opportunity to share the gospel with this person. And we're going to give you one more tool that will help you get through the third and fourth barriers. All right? So using these two tools together, you can easily get through all four barriers very quickly with any single person that you meet. So it's a neat little tool. And there are lots of tools. If you don't like this tool, that's fine. There are many more. But this is a good tool. And we've seen people come to know Jesus this way. So, there's the tool. Look at it. You guys all kind of comfortable with the tool? Okay. We're going to throw you guys a curveball right now. We're going to split this room down the middle. You're on this side. <laughs> okay. Because I think that there are fewer people here. And real quickly... Why don't you guys meet somebody you've never met before on the other side of the room, okay? And ask a few of those spiritual interest survey questions, just so that you're comfortable with these words coming out of your mouth. Because hopefully you can help us, or you can go out with us this afternoon and do this. Okay, so right now, let's take three or four minutes and, uh, and just go through some of those questions with somebody new.
What in the world is KGP? You guys think that? How many of you guys would like to be a KGP officer? Oh, Garth. Garth is all over that. Okay, now we're going to show a short little video on using the Knowing God Personally booklet. <clears throat> I want to just make a few points. This video is 10 minutes long, and then we're going to have you actually share it with each other. Because this, even more importantly, is good to have said it before, to have had these words come out of your mouth using this tool. Because it will make it super, super relational later. This is just a relational, conversational tool. It's not a track to just hand it somebody and leave, okay? And so, before we show the video, there's some key principles. One is expose the gospel, don't impose. You're not there to shove this on somebody. But you are there to clarify the gospel in a way that they could understand. Does that make sense? Okay? So go in love and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? You can't do this on your own. And even though you're using these tools, He's the one that has to change hearts. So consciously ask Him to fill you and control you and empower you as you go out. And then trust Him. Go by faith, trusting that He'll do it. He'll do it. And He'll show up. And this will be so great. Because you get to see Him working through you. And it's exciting. Make sure Christ is on the throne. Right? Confess any known sin, ask Him to be in control, and then surrender to Him as you go out. Right? You're called to present the gospel clearly, and then, guys, this is cool, you're off the hook. You can trust Him with the results. If people don't come to Christ, that's fine. That's His job, not your job. So just share the gospel, and then leave the rest to Him. And sometimes, this I was doing some notes similar to this two weeks ago at a church, and I did a little workshop... And after the, after the service, this guy named Nathan came up to me. And he says, he says, Nate, we met before. I told him he had a cool name because my name is Nate. But he comes up and he goes, Nate, do you remember a guy named Mike? I said, from when? He says, six, seven years ago at a master plan retreat. I said, yes, big, tall guy, long hair. And he goes, yeah, we used to call him Hippie Mike. I said, I know the guy. Yeah, I said, what was his last name? He told me his last name. And it totally connected. I remembered I said, I, I specifically remember sharing the gospel with him for like two hours. I think Austin was at that retreat. You know what he told me? He goes, yeah, that guy, in his testimony now, when he shares his testimony, he tells everybody that that's the night that he trusted Christ. I never even knew that, guys. I never even knew it. And it took six or seven years before I ever found out. And that's not the first time that that's happened to me. So I'm encouraging you, as you just share and trust the results to God, whether you know it or not, there will be fruit. <laughs> and you might sometimes see it, and you might not, but you know God's working, okay? So, the benefits of using this little booklet. It's simple, but it's a complete summary of the gospel. Nothing gets left out. No major point gets left out. I want to read to you a quick quote. This is from somebody that, that we shared the four laws with, or the Knowing God Personally booklet, the older versions, the four laws. And after she heard it, she went and put this on Facebook. And then shortly after that, within a week or two, she came to know Christ. Okay? Julian, our first night at your house two years ago in Moldova, we called home and we said, Oh, this girl just became a Christian. This is her. So this is maybe a week before we told you that. Here's what she says after somebody shared the Knowing God Personally booklet with her. Except they shared the yellow four law booklet with her. She said, Little yellow books scare me. But I wonder if the little yellow book had a point to it. If it did, why haven't I followed Jesus sooner? Frankly, the thought is terrifying. I wonder what family and friends would say, but I'm still in the midst of a decision. I need support, and I'm frightened to tell so many of my friends what I'm thinking about Jesus and God. I fear their ridicule. I know they can be cruel, but I'm searching my already tortured soul for an answer. I don't want to be hurt anymore. Isn't that amazing? That was the result of somebody just sharing this short little message with her. And that went on, by the way, to her becoming a Christian, okay, and putting her trust in Christ. So, the gospel is full here, nothing gets left out, it's a tool, if you don't like it, that's fine. We always talk to people that are like, I hate that tool. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> use a tool you like, or don't use any tool, trust God. But this is a good tool. It's a great conversation starter, it begins with a positive that God loves you, right? It shows how you can, you can trust Christ in a clear way. It builds confidence, because you know what you're going to say before you say it. You don't have the fear that I'm going to get stumped up and forget something important. All right? You probably all felt that. I have before. And you can show somebody how to receive Christ in a short period of time. It'll take you five to ten minutes to go through this with somebody, if they're, if they're somebody that needs to hear the gospel. Finally, guys, and this is the reason that we really like it, is it's a transferable tool. You can share this way, but then, like, let's say Joseph and I go out. We've done this before. 
Then Joseph sees me use this little tool. He can use this little tool. And he takes somebody out. They can use the little tool when they've seen him do it. It's a very transferable tool. We've actually seen a non-Christian lead a Christian to, or lead somebody to Christ using this tool. It's a funny story. <laughs> our, our director shared it with him, and he said, "Ah, it's not for me. I don't want to hear it." And he said, "Well, just take it home and throw it in your junk drawer." He said, "Okay." And the next day or a week later, he comes back and he says, "You know that booklet you gave me?" And Russ said, "Yeah." And he said, well, it's not for me. It's not for me. But it was for my roommate. I got home, you know, and he's all depressed and everything like this. And, and so I went ahead and shared it with him, just like you did with me. And we got to that little prayer at the end and prayed that prayer at the end and everything. And I thought I'd give you his number. <laughs> Isn't that great? So we, we actually had this transferable tool working. Because, again, guys, it's the power of God into salvation. It's not you. It's the message, right, that's important. All right, so we're going to watch a short video about how to use the Knowing God Personally booklet. And Austin, you, are you ready? Do we need to come? Can I get this video up here? Yeah. 
personal and a lot less just a little book that you're reading. You know, it's a way of personalizing this presentation. So why do you think Jesus had to die for his sin and not uh, George Washington or Mother Teresa Just sit there until they talk. 
And you'll be surprised out of your mind. Most times they'll say, you know that one on the left. And then you're going to ask them the second question. Which circle would you like to represent your life? And a lot of times you're going to say, that one on the right. You're usually not going to get stumped. It's either going to be, I'm pretty happy the way I am, or that one on the right. You might have somebody say, and I'll throw this in because it's not in the video, somewhere in between. <laughs> How would you answer that? Any, any ideas? Let's just say that's not possible. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and that's good to tell somebody. You, it's either one way or the other. You have to make a decision, right? You might get a really tough one. I was sharing the gospel with a Japanese girl once. I said, which circle best represents your life? And she said, the one with Christ on the throne, but instead of Christ, it's my ancestors. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so she needs to, to have a lot more clarification of the gospel and a lot more conversation. Okay, so we're going to listen to the rest of this. It's almost done. And then we're going to have you guys share and we'll be pretty much out of here. trusted God. 
and they needed somebody that would keep following up with them, keep answering questions. Because a lot of times they're going to hear that, they're going to think that's great. They're going to be like Aaron, and that's why we ended the video that way. That's the most typical ending I have, I think, uh, for the most part. It's somebody that says, you know, I'm really interested in this, I want to think about it a little more. And you're going to need to follow up with that person. But I had a guy, I'm going to tell you one example in closing. This is exciting. It took, his name is Brian, and it took eight weeks from the time he heard the gospel until he finally trusted Christ. And every single week, he had this little booklet, and he would come to me with this booklet with a new list of questions from the booklet each week for eight weeks. And finally, the eighth week, I'm just wondering, what, what is the real issue? And I'm praying, God, please give me wisdom about what the issue is that's keeping this guy from trusting you, right? And, and so we, I would ask questions like, can you think of any reason why you wouldn't trust Christ? Or what, what kinds of things are keeping you from making this decision? You know what it turned out to be? He had a group of friends. He finally tells me this as I'm asking these clarifying questions. So I have a group of friends that we're best friends and we're committed to each other. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, that's, that's not what I asked. And then it hit me. I wonder if he thinks that trusting Christ would make him disloyal to his friends. So I just asked him, you think putting Christ number one in your life and letting him come in and take over would be disloyalty to these, these five friends of yours or four friends of yours or whatever? Because that's exactly what I think. And I said, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says God is love. And when you let Christ come into your life, you have love himself living in you, and you're going to be a much better friend than you ever were on your own. And he goes, oh, really? Okay. I totally want God in my life. <laughs> he just needed somebody to work through these questions with him. So be patient and keep following up with the person afterwards, all right? So that's kind of the example. I want you guys to get a quick, like, five minutes, and then we're going to get out of here, because I know that they're going to want to come in soon. But take five minutes and kind of go through a few of those, a few of those questions with each other and go through uh, the Knowing God Personally booklet with the same people that you talked with a minute ago when we split up. Does that work? Some of you are still sitting together, some of you aren't. And then we're going to close with the last verse, and then we're going to pray, and then you're going to get the, the application challenge for the afternoon. So I'm going to start the five-minute timer now. Go for it.
we're about done with the five minutes here, and we are going to close this thing out. So let me have your attention. Does that feel kind of comfortable? Did it feel like you could do this with somebody? You guys, practice, practice, practice. You just get better at using this. This is a tool. If you're super comfortable sharing your faith without this tool, praise God. Go for it, you know? It's a great tool. It's transferable. We love it. I hope it encourages you, and I hope it's something that you can use to get into conversations. We've seen God bring so many people to himself with this little tool. It's amazing. It's really cool. Um, I would encourage you as we leave with two verses. Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as you think about evangelism, I want to encourage you not to think about this as a duty. Okay? If Christ isn't coming up in your conversations, you have to analyze where your heart is with Him. Does that make sense? Because if, if your heart is focused on Christ... He says, out of the abundance of that, your mouth is going to speak. And so I would encourage you, if you find that you don't have a heart for evangelism, press into God and get a heart for God, because then you will not be able to help talking about Him. It'll be inevitable. That's Matthew twelve thirty four. So this is not so much a duty, but something that is an outflow of our, of our heart. Okay? Next I want to share James one twenty two. It says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So when we hear and then don't do we actually end up deceiving ourselves. And we actually end up believing lies. If I hear I'm supposed to share my faith and I don't share my faith, I start to believe lies that people around me don't want to hear the good news, right? We've all been there. So, in order for that not to happen today, I want to encourage you to go apply this right now. And like we heard earlier, just because people are here does not mean they're all Christians, guys. And so we're going to pair up in twos, and if you you can't do this, that's fine. You You can do whatever you have to do. But I would encourage you to give it an hour or two. And you're going to take these surveys, and we're just going to go ask some different people around here these, these questions. Take two or three of these little KGP booklets in your back pocket so you have them in case you need to share with somebody. And guys, expect God to come through big for you. Expect God to do great things. Expect to have some awesome conversations. And, and you will be amazed. It will be awesome. So we're going to pray and pair up with somebody. If you've never... if you if you've never done this before and you want to go with somebody that has done it before, uh, a lot of these guys in blue shirts would love to take you. And if you want to just go out and choose any way you want to, that'll work too. So take a packet of surveys, okay, and take two or three KGP booklets and just spend, excuse me, just spend the next hour or two getting out and talking to people. And we're going to meet back, what time is it right now? It's almost 1. We're going to meet back at about 2.30 over by these swings. Does that work? Can a lot of you guys do that in an hour and a half, maybe? Right by the swings right here? Bring back the surveys. The night vision uh, staff really want to get these surveys back because it's also going to give them good info about you know, why people come and who they like most and things like that. But you'll also get into some good conversations. So have some fun. Take the surveys. Get into some conversations. Use these tools. And we'll actually share some stories back here. Who knows what will happen. And if you can't do it, that's fine. Come tomorrow, we're going we're gonna to go through those four sound barriers and give you ways that you can navigate through each one of them so that you can bring Christ into any conversation you could possibly have. All right? So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go. God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you that, uh, that, you've, that you've worked in each of our hearts, God. And I thank you that there are people all over right outside this tent that need to know about you and that need to hear you. And they're probably here because you have drawn them to this place to hear, God. So I pray that you give us great conversations today where we could actually tell people about you. And most of all, God, I pray that you continue to work in each one of our hearts to give us a passion for telling people about you. We love you, Jesus.